0: Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. Uh, Lance and I are here. We're both luxury division of Pelo wearing. This is one of my favorite uh, sweaters, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Alicia, if you're watching, can I get some polos? Polos would be nice. Polos would be nice. First off, I want to say, uh, if you haven't checked out RevitRocketShip.com, please do. It's a game changer for your whole process of how you design and how you model. It will make you more efficient. It will make you uh, basically draw and draft, mimicking construction as much as possible in the software. And I honestly haven't heard a bad thing about it. Um, to wait, I've heard one bad thing about it was, some of the intro stuff I already knew, but the way that your guys' philosophy and the way that, that your template's set up and your models are sent up, set up changes the way I model forever. Um, You can check it out for
1: free, money back guaranteed in the first month. Go to RevitRocketShip.com. With project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. Arcat.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content and designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently even better. Arcat.com is free to use and requires no registration, so visit today and access the information you need now. This episode is also brought to you by Pella Luxury. That's right, explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm because you have never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore forward slash the firm today. Back to you, Mr. Gore. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about housing prices and how
0: high housing prices can go and what they're doing right now. But there's a conflict coming. Uh-oh. There's a huge conflict coming. It's money supply and it's rules and regulations of what you need to do, Right. Um, and if those are in conflict and if there's no mechanism to basically de-conflict those, you might stall a whole segment, a, a whole industry. Um, and it, it, it happens. I don't think people think it can happen, but it can happen. Because basically, you can be able and willing to do something, but not allowed to do something. Here's a perfect example. North Korea versus South Korea. All the people in both those places are just as capable as everyone else. One makes the best Sony electronics in the world, and one is barely surviving off of food. Like, yep. barely. And it's, it's, the government is literally not, not allowing them through their own policies to do stuff, right? So housing prices are going up, and Lance is going to talk about all of that. But I have an article from CBS News, and it's called Federal Reserve Warns of Brewing U.S. Housing Bubble. Yep, I see it right here. The Federal Reserve warns they're the ones who create bubbles (laughs) and create recessions. If you haven't heard. And just think about these three indicators. So there's one, uh, the title is called uh, Exuberance Indicator, right? Yep. So first, economists looked at a statistical model that tracks exuberance or when price increase at an exceptional rate that can't be justified by economic fundamentals. When their exuberance measure reaches a 95% threshold, that signals 95 confidence that the market is experiencing abnormal ex, uh, explosive behavior. The current exuberance measure is 115 Dang. Right? Yep. So, next, uh, they looked at another valuation, and it's comparing home prices against the sum of discounted fut- future rents. Similar concept of how they determine it. Um, that too is showing exuberance. So rent can't go up forever. So if you base what you're buying on that rent goes on up forever, they're saying that is in the same category. And then third, this is actually one of the more fundamentals is like, it does come down to disposable income, right? Your ratio of a home price to disposable income. You can only spend let's face it a third to a half of what you make on a house so if it keeps going up with or without the interest rate going up like you well you just can't afford it it's just not going to happen so the big thing about this article is they say double digit price increases and rent increases cannot go on forever and the reason i bring this up is that just think about that last one which makes Complete sense.
1: They say that, but I don't know. I'm still like, I, I just play contrarian and I go like, well, they can just keep printing money. Like it's totally possible.
0: The, no, they can. Huh. They can. They can. And Lance, that, that's that's totally fine. <laughs> I know. But besides just printing money, like think about the regulations, the cost of land, the cost of water, the burden of going through the city and making that for the, you know, their purposes are, oh, we're making a green society. We're making it better for the in. If you make it so expensive that people cannot afford it, like if your law says you can only build something to this standard and people are like, great, can't afford that. What happens? Houses don't get built. What happens when houses don't get built? Then the demand for them actually goes up because supply is decreased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happens when you can't build houses? People get out of that market. What happens when people get out of that market? The knowledge is lost. Then people getting back in, it's only going to increase prices. So like there is a balance. And I don't think there's a great mechanism well, right now. I think now what you're
1: describing is stagflation. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that, that's that's people, that, that term, if anybody doesn't know what that term is, that term was invented in the 1970s, and there's been a lot of talk about um, that we're heading back towards that again. So, like, I pulled up here, stagflation. Uh, oh, my gosh, look at that. It was updated uh, twenty the February twenty third. There you go. Like people are obviously talking about it again. Stagflation is characterized by slow economic growth and relatively high unemployment or economic stagnation, which is the same time accompanied by rising prices prices inflation, which Alex was pointing to, like, well so like yeah, less people are gonna build houses, okay, but then but then the, there's the gonna price be prices still them, going so up the price is still going up. So that's exactly the kind of uh, situation we're in. So it's a real nasty trap. I think that we potentially fall into. Yep. Uh, So on on that same note, um, and why we're talking about this is obviously like, you know, if you don't, if your economics, your economics have to kind of, or kind of everything, right? If you're running a business, especially if you're a listener of this podcast, then you're probably doing some residential architecture. Maybe you're doing uh, and or construction. Um, So, you know, housing prices and, and the economy have everything to do with that. Um, I was really happy to see, so I've got an article up here by CPR, uh, so Colorado Public Radio, that even CPR was starting to wake up um, to what I've been uh, yammering on for about a couple years now about supply and demand and just basic fundamental economics. So they got their title says, this was published uh, two days ago, March 30th, 2020, Denver home prices are growing at a ridiculous rate. No kidding. Um, And so what they, it's a short article and they go in and they say, home price uh, growth in the Denver metro area accelerated over the past year, rising 21%, according to new data from S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Quote, I think the re-acceleration in January might have been a result of anticipation of higher mortgage rates, which is probably true, end quote. Um, said Selma Hepp, Deputy Chief Economist at S&P. The Federal Reserve has just raised interest rates to help cool the economy, and mortgage interest rates are at about 4.5% up from less than 3.5% just a few months ago. The S&P uh, index allows comparison across 20 of the largest U.S. metro areas, and Denver had the ninth fastest home price growth over the year. Since June 20 June of 2021, Denver has surpassed the national race, rate of price growth. It's all due to a gross imbalance of supply and demand. That is the critical key, I can't, so I couldn't believe that they actually understood um, that part. Right. But then CNN the next day, uh, freaked me, out. you know, they went counter to that. And I was like, dang it. I thought, I just thought we were all finally getting on the same page here economically. That supply and demand are huge. Exactly. That like you, you, and, and that's what Alex talked about. Alex just tried to reframe that again of like, well, okay, then the, the supply is still screwed. So this article uh, title is, Signs of a Housing Bubble are Brewing. So, okay, here we go. Let's let's understand what CNN thinks, why we're in a housing bubble. U- U.S. home prices have soared to new highs and keep on climbing, and now some researchers and economists are saying they have seen signs of a housing bubble brewing. Home prices are rising faster than market forces would indicate uh, they should and are becoming unhinged from fundamentals, according to a new blog post written by researchers and economists at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Until recently, the possibility of a bubble wasn't widely supported. But after looking at housing markets across the U.S., the Fed researchers said the new evidence is emerging. Our evidence points to abnormal U.S. housing market behavior for the first time since the boom of the early 2000s, the researchers wrote. Reasons for concern are clear in certain economic indicators, which show signs that 2021 house prices appear increasingly out of step with fundamentals. Many Americans are still scared by the last housing crash of 2007, which was fueled by cheap credit and lax lending standards that resulted in millions of homeowners um, owing more on their homes than they were worth. But at this time, the economists said they were worried about a different scenario. This is what I've been trying to point out, too, is that it's not the same scenario over and over again. Uh, Just because home prices are rising wildly does not always mean a housing bubble. And that's another thing I've been trying to point out. Like, well, I've been trying to, I would say that, uh, and advocate for, with the idea that the housing prices rising like they are, are, just a reflection of in in inflation. So, and and investors running to something that they can take their cash, which is becoming ever worthless, and make it work for them. Right. That's that's what investors do. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, And there are lots of reasons why home prices have steadily risen over the past decade and shot up even more significantly in the past two years. Again, including supply and demand imbalances in the market. Thank you, CNN. Hey, look at that. Rising labor and construction costs and how high or low the interest rates are for a mortgage, the researchers pointed out. But they said prices may be rising to a point they call exuberance. Hmm. Keep in which, yeah, isn't, and that's what your article yep. was saying. In which prices become increasingly out of sync with the economic fundamentals underpinning the market. One possible reason they suggest is that buyers may believe prices will continue to climb, and they will fear they will miss out on snagging lower price a lower price home now and get stuck paying more later. The fear of missing out or FOMO effect can drive up prices and heighten expectations of higher prices ahead. That can create a self-fulfilling prophecy, researchers said, in which price growth can become exponential. The consequences of housing market exuberance can include overpriced homes, investments based on distorted expectations and returns, and reduced economic growth and unemployment. Uh, the cycle is interrupted when policymakers intervene, spurring investors to become cautious in causing the flow of money into housing to dry up. This could cause a housing correction or possibly even a bust, according to the blog post. The researchers recommended... Um, so then they talk about further on in the article that uh, the, bubble, the bubble's brewing um and part of it is uh investors right <clears throat> so uh uh the ba- the behavior of home buyers and sellers over the past few years has been anything but normal i think we would all agree with that like we did not expect this all the covid stuff to lead to uh, an actual boom which is kind of nuts um prices are at record highs and continue to move higher because there has been a record low inventory so again supply and demand they're recognizing it fantastic Still, home buyers keep buying. Interest rates fell to record lows during the pandemic, but that does not alone explain the housing market frenzy, they wrote. Other factors played a role in pushing the market into bubble territory. The Fed researchers wrote, including pandemic-related stimulus programs and COVID-19-related supply disruptions. Um, What I hate is that they say pandemic. You know what they should say? Government-related stimulus programs. And you know what else they should say? Government-related supply chain disruptions. Because that's the tr- truth. Like the virus didn't infect the supply chain, it- <laughs> and associated uh, policy responses. The researchers spe- specifically highlight the role of investors who aggressively buying up homes. This this is a critical part, and what I, kind of what I alluded to earlier. Investors now buy thirty three percent of the homes in the U.S.
0: Oh, terrible! I hate it. I I know I'm a capitalist and free, but
1: I I, I hate that. It's uh yeah, I mean it's it it's uh, it's real hard to.
0: Do you uh, want to know why they're doing it? I think like if you boil down to the fundamentals, is that there's so many get, so little real assets. Hold the why? You,
1: yes, exactly. No, no, exactly. That's why. Yeah, that's a hundred percent why.
0: Manufacturing base is gone. They're just printing money. Our economy is based off of Hollywood and printing money. And, and and tech. In, and, intangible and, and all, things. So like the, tech is intangible. I mean, you can buy chairs. Sure. Tech we're, and, and pharmacy and medical. Literally, it's tech, pharmacy, and medical. How about factories? How about things like that? How about commodities
1: opening uh, you, up America Think about the, the commercial space. Commercial space is dying, right? Everything's online. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad I paused. And, 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 and I knew, and that's I knew why. you were going to freak out at that it, point.
0: It, it, It's not that like I think they should be allowed. It's just like... They're literally taking away the profits of normal Americans because there's no other Uh, good
1: opportunity. What they're taking... Yeah, so yeah, they're taking away the... Equity. uh, The the fundamental thing that has helped most Americans uh, gain any sort of semblance of wealth, and that was buying a home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So further on in that paragraph, uh, so just to recap that shocking, shocking sentence. Investors now buy 33% of the homes in the U.S., which is... A five percent larger share than the average over the past decade, according to John Burns. That's that's a lot. Uh, the business of iBuying, buying, in which a company buys a home for cash to slightly fix it up and resell it again, is only 1.7 of the national housing market in the last quarter of 2021, according to Zillow. But in some cities, the share of homes going to i buyers is high at 11. So uh, I'll leave on a I'll end on a high note about with this article. There's some silver linings apparently. Uh, A lot was learned from the last housing crash, which has led to better early detection and warning indicators of housing bubbles, the researchers wrote. If these concerning trends continue, banks, policymakers, and regulators ought to be better equipped to react quickly to avoid the most severe and negative consequences of a correction. In addition, they wrote, there is no reason to expect any resulting correction would impact homeowners or the economy as significantly as the last crash. Americans are generally in better financial shape. Homeowners have a stronger, equ- stronger equity positions and excessive borrowing is not as rampant as it was in the mid two thousands. So I'm glad they ended with on the silver lining. And that's what I try to tell people too, is they say, well, I don't want to buy a house right now because we're in a bubble and maybe we are, but then I, then I throw it right back to them and I say like, okay, do, do you know, do you know the biggest percentage that, uh, housing prices have ever went down? ever if in any of these bubbles. It's 13%. And so, because it's 13%, then I ask them like, well, now tell me what you think this one's going to crash to. And they go like, "Oh no, 20? Okay, we lost a year of gains. Yep. Oh, no. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. W- like,
0: would this be more realistic to you? They are caught on this word bubble because that's happened in the past and yeah. it made such a big deal. Yeah. Well, what if we don't call it a bubble? We are not on the midst of a bubble. We are possibly on the... M- on the shore of stagflation or government gridlock those are the threats the stagflation is very dangerous yep. it is so dangerous and it's being caused uh, to a degree by government gridlock like that's
1: now let's take this I agree with you I agree, with you. I agree with you that that is a term it was hot the word is it triggering what is the word for this yeah it's just it's just a not it's just a it's too spicy pop. it's a pop word. pop culture word bubble buzz a buzzword whatever but yeah but it's just too loaded that's the word i was looking for the whole time that term is too loaded i think yeah that would probably disarm me a little bit yeah okay so now let's move on to housing affordability right so like how how what do what does america think is the solution for housing affordability. I highly recommend everybody, I've got another article pulled up Ooh. here from the National Association of Home Builders. I highly recommend you sign up to a newsletter. I, If you would have asked me <laughs> as early as six months ago, Lance, do you want to sign up for any newsletter? I would have said no. And now I'm all of a sudden starting to do it um, because I think these guys just provide so much good information for, that, uh, for the housing industry. So the title is, Americans Want uh, Policymakers to Act on Affordability. Uh, housing affordability and here's what's this art this this is what this is where i think why like when are we ever going to i feel like people get it and then all of a sudden they don't from the article americans overwhelmingly express their support of government initiatives to facilitate the production of more housing with 82 percent agreeing in a recent survey that policymakers should factor in housing affordability considering new legislation and regulations i see you shaking your head over there al I think I think we need to dismantle
0: this idea that the government is gonna solve it. And I think it's come from at some point in time in the past government solved problems like, hey, maybe don't put four hundred workers in a cloth factory on the eighteenth floor of a building that can
1: set Good up Good idea fire. to to, idea. to get rid of that uh
0: horrible horrible working conditions. Let's not do that. Let's not have every eight year old working looms. Okay, let's have them be eight-year-olds. Okay, they but government has taken over that we are the solution. So then, when people are asked, like, "Hey, Lance, would you like cookies and rainbows?" and the government can make that happen, oh sure, yeah, not knowing that the government's not going to do that. For example, we there's a meeting in Denver that's going that's talking about the price that they're going to add to every development to make housing affordable. affordable yeah, <laughs> right. So you heard me right. The price that they are going to add to each house in order to make housing affordable by 2025. It's the, the fee will probably be $12 and 50 cents a square foot. Okay. They're going to take that money and make some affordable housing. So now we're just making a two class society. Those that can pay for people to live in a affordable unit, which isn't going to be the best unit, which is still going to be housing. Right. And then people who literally have to pay that fee plus their housing and There is somewhat of a need. There's a need for market rate housing. There's a need for competitive housing. There's a need for competition, right? And there's a need for a homeless solution too, but it's not necessarily just housing. A lot of it is drugs. 99 to 100% of it is drugs. I'm not kidding. If you don't believe me, read the book, uh, San Francisco. Read San Francisco and you will see what the real issue is. So the why me and you are up in arms in this is that like people are just defaulting to because of the way the question's made and NHAB is like, yeah, they, they will make a solution and it will work when we're saying like, no, it's going to make it worse. It's going to make
1: it worse. Yeah, exactly. So what it should have read is, I won't go into depth in the article because there's something else I really want to get into that was gets kind of hot off the press architecture wise. I don't even think Alex knows about it. But again, if I had to correct, uh, if I had to correct what this should say is it should say, uh what here's what I want in like Lance world with 82% agreeing in a recent survey that policymakers should fact in housing and affordability when repealing new legislation, existing legislation, and regulations. I'm serious. Like you gotta free up the market. We have to we have to have some competition. Um this is not the way forward. And it's gonna just lead to more like that's this stagflation idea is really Really, on we're on the cusp of it. So, uh, can we do anything about it? I don't know, <laughs> but we should be aware of it. Uh, in other news, Al doesn't even know about this, but um, this is uh so uh, basically there was a there was a video from a panel um, held at Psy Arc last friday and the panel was titled how to be in an office it was intended to provide career advice and reflections on professional practice to current students three current sci arc faculty members duane Euler, marika T- trotter and margaret griffin offered guidance and perspective from their own time in the field so um somebody wrote a blog about it um on uh Substack and this is sort of the rebuttal to it and uh it's very controversial so the whole architecture community is talking about this right now. And uh so basically um there's um a couple points um that I think are worth talking about. So this is directly from uh Margaret Griffin, uh one of the panelists. She says, uh quote, "I don't think anyone is entitled to be in an office." end quote. These were the first words that caught uh This is now the blogger. This is the first words that caught my attention watching the video. They're delivered by Margaret Griffin just a few minutes in as part of a dismal as part of a part of a dismal of the panel's title, How to Be in an Office. The type of rhetoric is common in architecture and indeed the workplace in general, and on some level, it's true to be in an office to have a job requires proactive effort and entails certain expectations and obligations. But we all know this is only half of the equation. No one is entitled to be in an office. No one is entitled to a job, sure, but also no one is entitled to have employees. No one is entitled to an endless stream of eager and capable labor for their projects just by virtue of their name or resume. I can't help but uh, feel like this is a needlessly adversarial beginning to a conversation that we hoped would contain optimism, encouragement, and support. What is the worldview of someone who sees this as the right opening for their remarks? These are your students. Is this where you begin? Margaret Griffin, you may think that young people are resistant to hard work. You may believe that you had to go through hard times. So should everyone else. You may think that we have a nationwide crisis of nobody wants to work anymore. Hell, you may be right. Maybe it really is, quote, the children who are wrong, end quote. But do you have any ideas to fix it? Al Gore, how do we fix it? You can't just throw that on me. You can't just throw that. Okay, at me. I'm just. I'm yeah. Part of this is a comedy show. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah. I I'm, If I have an idea. Okay. Okay. Can so you tell d- me your idea? You raised yes, the question. Absolutely. Here's my thought. My thoughts about this, because I already read it too, and I just, I'm just throwing this at you. Yeah. Right. I already read this before we started. Is uh, I, I, I'm so I'm actually first of all I want to say to the author of this, uh, of this blog. Thank you for kind of putting it right back at them in the sense where you actually said, like, no one is entitled to have employees. I agree. Like, thank you for saying that. Because what I was thinking, honestly, I swear, is like, now this is me sort of being old man Lance getting on a soapbox. I thought I was going to hear some Marxist rhetoric of, like, no one's entitled to my labor or, you know, stuff like that. Like, the labor should be shared and all this other kind of craziness that does not work. Um... So I'm glad you put that back and realize that it's like uh, this is a two, this is a this is a two-sided coin. So there's two opinions here, both of them matter, and um, I think they need to be. Uh, there needs to be a, a, a different level of like respect and environment that goes in. Here's here's the idea to fix it. Is the biggest thing I think that architects could do to fix this is be half business, half architect. Like you cannot. The idea that uh, we are just artists and that everybody, they should, we should get paid these crazy high fees and everything. If you go to the last 20 minutes of the video of this panel, that's all they talked about was, we're artists and we need to, we need to be paid for this high art that we create and everything like that. And I've said it over and over again is like, you're good luck trying to get that across for value. And, oh. and, to, and to, for somebody to hire you for that, like, yes, Lance and Al think they do rock star work, you know, one, one house each year, maybe, maybe two, something like that, where if they're magazine worthy, and then we think somebody's going to hire us for magazine level fees, and they do sometimes, but not most of the time.
0: Yep. Um, so maybe this is where it's coming from, but I saw a Twitter thing this morning that I captured, and I'm going to read some of it to yeah. you. This is from a developer. Um, His handle is at Cameron Palm. Uh, So what he said is consistently astonished by the not-my-job attitude of architects. Little things like communicating to the client that there are issues and issuing an ASI or coordinating the revisions with other A&E teams. Um, And then someone, read it back to him, do I have to, okay, Um, they talk about AIA contracts. Uh, one guy says architects are getting, get treated and compensated pretty poor by the developers. And then the person who first tweeted this says, disagree. I think their costs are out of line and the profession needs far better understanding of what they do, but they get good money, dollar sign, dollar sign. Um, I think plenty of fee agree on much, uh, but the focus is all wrong. We burn people out of the procession profession because we don't actually focus them on the job we split them uh we we split them over many uh and then basically he said i oh i think architects don't serve their clients well as they should they focus on aesthetics when it's only what 25 percent of their scope it's hard to
1: read because i get it. it yep yeah um but i get the gist you get the gist this argument like yeah and, okay, so, but here's why that matters. Here's, here's why that argument matters, right? And here's why it fixes it, okay? Is, <clears throat> you know, one of the complaints is that, uh, let's see here. Oh, no endless, there, no one is entitled to an endless stream of eager and capable labor for their project just by virtue of their name or resume, right? Um, and so wh- part of the things was is like your, uh, the discussion in this panel was, uh, students out of Sciarc, for instance, are getting paid very low wages for for the work that they do, and the employers are taking advantage of that. Fair enough. Like I, I totally get that. That they're that maybe they're suppressing it because it's like, look, we're a prestigious firm. You're lucky to be working here. Fine. <clears throat> that that that's I, I, I get like the disdain for that environment. Don't don't work for those people. Like do what you can to work for somebody for, for somebody else. Uh, that's that's on you. That's not on the employer. Um, but if you and if you are and what I would encourage is like, if you don't want to be one of those employers, then you need to be busy, you need to be financially savvy. You you need to be able to demonstrate your value in different ways than just uh, as an architect to developers and clients and all the other stuff, and other ways than just being drawing pretty pretty buildings. And then if you can command higher fees, then you need to compensate people correctly and not overwork them too. We, we, we do 40 hours here at F9. That's it. And like the only people that should technically be working more than that ever is me and Al over and over again. So students like look for folks like us and maybe run to them, but understand that like part of the deal is like, I don't know, maybe maybe. There's a trade off, right? There's no like perfect anything in the world. So, is the trade off you don't get to work for a New York firm that's doing just the most amazing thousand, two thousand, our projects with like two thousand dollars a square foot? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's <laughs> weird because I am of the opinion that architects need to get paid more. I'm definitely of that opinion. And I'm definitely of the opinion too, is like, um, anything worth being great at is, or even good at is going to take effort and sacrifice. And I don't think we can get this. Do you have the belief that some people think the coming into
1: the profession, like, Hey, I should get tech salaries, tech breaks. Tech has skewed the whole situation. It sucks. It sucks because we like, we're not a tech firm. Yeah. And we don't do, we're not a tech profession. Um, We use technology tech but it doesn't mean we're actually tech yep and and the only way to get to tech and then your buddies here's why it's a problem it's a problem because your buddies who you graduate with maybe they go to tech and then they're making they're raking in two hundred thousand right out of yep. college and you're working for 50 yep and in tech in twitter you do
0: one code project or whatever how many code projects you do whatever and then that gets applied to the 100 million people on twitter right it would be the same. If you want to make that money, it's like, okay, let's design one house and the next hundred, <laughs> next million houses are going to be designed exactly like that.
1: It's not how architecture works. And yeah. That's not what you it's want. It's an either. apples to oranges yeah. thing for sure. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up. I think that's probably as far as I want to take that one today. Uh, it is what it is. I, you know, there doesn't need to go further than that. There is. It is a really good blog post though. And I, I encourage everybody to take a look at the video. And then also uh, check out, it's like the hustlearchitect.substack.com is where that's at. The other thing too,
0: I would say some people, rightly, uh, education prices have gotten out of control. Um, Gee, who could have caused that by guaranteeing loans? <laughs> yep. And Lance and I, we, we had this in the past and some people did something about it. Some people didn't. Um, I, I joined the National Guard. If you're against that. You don't have to. Also, there's there's jobs where you don't have to do violent things. Lance literally did extra theses. Uh, two and extra
1: had, theses. I had an extra job on this. I had two extra scholarships jobs. Yeah. For a and a ton of scholarships. Yep. And I, I worked very hard to get the scholarships. Like, it's a lot of writing. Yep. It's a lot of, you know, you have to get good grades. Like, the whole thing. Yep. And other people did none of those things and had huge college loans. And we both ended other up... Other people there. that we went to school with. That architecture school. I just want to be clear on that. And and I, I I want to say, literally at our level, like they have great jobs. They're great
0: designers. You know, yeah. they have families, things like that. Well, <laughs> you so so to 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 go back on the other foot, like you decided to not as work as hard and get those paid off in the beginning. In the
1: beginning, yep. you, you did, yeah, you didn't do it. Later. Yeah. And
0: and and then you can't blame other people for that. You can't blame other people
1: for that. Okay, what do we got next, Al? We have no Nick Reads. Yep. I'm so sad because this week, I today at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Fishing with Lance is publishing uh, Fishing in Florida. It's too bad. Open, yeah.
0: Well, that's all right. Um, let's, we have ARE Jeopardy, so let's bring down the team. All right. Question numero uno. What type of lien can a subcontractor use to enforce payment if not paid? Is it a, a tax lien, b an LLC lien, c a mortgage-backed lien, or d a mechanics lien? What
1: do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Small name.
0: B. The correct answer is D, Mechanics Lean. D. Yeah. Question number two. Oil-based paints are considered A, rust-forming, B, corrosive, C, hazardous, or D, non-hazardous. Oil-based paints. A, rust-forming, B, corrosive, C, hazardous, D, non-hazardous. B, D, C, it is C hazardous in all forms, even if it solidifies, it is flammable and hazardous. Latex paints are not uh, hazardous. They are not flammable. But aren't oil-based paints, which ones smell? Oil. Yeah. So there you go. Two things against it right there. Why did you pick an oil-based paint then for your house?
1: We're
0: potentially going to use an oil-based primer because it seals the smell yeah ah
1: oil-based primers oh good <laughs> nice cool uh, number three this type of lighting is used to provide illumination to pathways for exiting a space should a emergency should an emergency arise is it a emergency lighting b egress lighting d or c exit lighting Or D, A, and B? Ha, ha, Ross. (laughs) Ha, (laughs) ha. Yeah. Uh, A, emergency lighting. B, egress lighting. C, exit lighting. D, A, and B. A, R, E, Jeopardy. I love it. We got B. We got D. We got B. The correct answer is D. (laughs) Congratulations, Reeves. (laughs) Happy Friday. You're uh, doing things. <laughs> all right. What do we what do we got for scores? Two. Okay. Two. Jason's in the lead. You gonna hold it? Yep. Uh for number four. This refers to meters that separate different sorts of usage from each other, such as a meter for lighting and another for HVAC uses. Is it A individual meters? B separation meters. C submetering. D small metering. Do, 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 do. This refers to meters that separate different sorts of usage from each other, such as a meter for lighting and another for HVAC uses. You want the answers again? Uh, the, uh, did you write it down? Sure. Yes. <laughs> Is that a one? Yeah. <laughs> a, C, C. Correct answer, C. Submeters. Jason wins. Where are we you, Jason? I told you. I know, but I thought you'd. We'll yeah. No, no. We're. Eating, oh my god. We're eating at uh, Dog because Dog is doing a grand opening. Yay! <laughs> Food, I guess. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I asked her. She said, "Yeah." So we'll head down there. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, if you like this episode, please share it with a friend, colleague, your mother. And if you're watching on the YouTube, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment. We'll see you next week. Thank you.